Welcome to Multifamily AP 360, the show where we discuss 360-degree views on mindset, passive, and active multifamily investment. If you're looking for tips and strategies, or just want to learn from the experiences of others, both good and bad, then listen on. This is Multifamily AP 360 with your host, Ramakrishna Chunchu. Today's our guest is Michael Tish from Homeroom. Welcome, Mike. Uh, thanks, Obama. Yeah, a little bit about Mike. So Michael Tish is the co-founder of Homeroom, a home sharing app that connects users to roommates, social opportunities, and a host of tech-enabled property management tools. Mike previously led marketing and data science teams at Airbnb, where he managed between 50 to 100 million in annual budget marketing spend. After the pandemic led to Airbnb shutting down its marketing team in early 2020, Mike quickly found himself at Homeroom. As CMO, he has helped the early stage companies secure 500K in funding while growing from 2,200 rental properties. So what led you to pursue a career in marketing and data science? Um, yeah, I mean, like it was kind of just like random, right? Like I studied industrial engineering in college, moved out to the Bay Area, kind of was just looking for whatever job and Ended up finding something over at Google where they needed some help on uh, really just writing a bunch of SQL queries for their marketing team and realized I was pretty good at taking a lot of those abstract, like very hard data science principles and just explaining them to and making them useful for marketing teams to understand and action on. And then, yeah, kind of just went from there. Ended up like getting a bunch of other jobs and rel- they're basically the same thing. And yeah, I ended up finding myself at Airbnb after a startup I had been working on uh, kind of fell apart about the year before that so (laughs) got it got it so how do you think the digital marketing environment has changed over the years um i mean like yeah it's it's definitely gotten harder just from like the measurement perspective right like it's become um, on the web it's still not too bad right but like ios 14 has made mobile quite a bit harder um it's still not too bad right i feel like like marketers have gotten very creative and a lot of workarounds um yeah i feel like like most recently, I feel like the AI stuff has been like just huge and literally in the last like two weeks, um, right? Like I feel like ChatGPT has just changed like a lot of stuff in terms of just like, I don't know, the amount of SEO agency they found that are just basically just using it and making some edits is just insane. So yeah, it's uh, things are always changing, always down to learn more more stuff. Like we just published like 20 blog posts in like two days, a few weeks ago. Um, and like they're actually getting traffic, right? Like they all, they all, they all aren't getting traffic, right? But like you make enough edits and it works out. So got it. Got it. So what strategies have you found most successful in targeting and engaging customers? I mean, for home specifically, it's almost all Facebook ads, um, which is like definitely not what you would normally expect, right? Like you would normally expect it was like, oh, you do like, sales and outbound and those type of things. But yeah, for some reason, what really works for our business is just, yeah, like just trying to find ways to do as much Facebook ads as possible. And like, yeah, it's a, I think part of it is just like, it's a channel that works really well. You have a lot, it's not like, it's very undersaturated um, in terms of like where people are in terms of like looking for investment opportunities. And like you, there's a lot of room to get really, really good on the creative, right? But like, if you can get the creative working, you can get people to actually take action more, you can end up paying a lot less. That can get harder on more like brand driven channels. Right? Like if it's on a YouTube ad, it can get a bit harder. Um, unless like, I'm also not as good of a video creator. So that, that obviously makes it harder. From your experience point, where do you get more success? Uh, Facebook ads versus YouTube ads? 
Uh, Facebook is like 90% of it for us. Uh, we've done like testing with YouTube. It's been like kind of mediocre. Uh, we've been testing with LinkedIn. It's been kind of mediocre. But like, yeah, it's been for a while now, I would say about 90% of our traffic is just like showing people data on Facebook. I think a lot of real estate investors, they care like a lot about the, just like, what are the numbers looking like? What are the, the what's the information about this deal? And just sharing that, right, is like kind of the best way to be like very openly transparent. I think a lot, even as we've noticed like interest rates rise, it has gotten harder, but we've still been able to get like a non-negligible amount of new investors. And part of that is like, okay, we just be a little bit more selective on the deals we're, we're pushing. Can we offer any type of like upfront deals in order like in terms of like our property management fee to make like, that first year or two um, before you be able to like refinance to be like really make a lot of sense? Um, and whatnot. So, got it. So, did you test out other platforms like LinkedIn or Twitter or, uh, you know, Instagram or TikTok, anything else? Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, Instagram is kind of the same. TikTok, we've been having trouble getting the creative to work. I've, t- I've had it work before and like for other companies, but it's like, um, yeah, it's always a tough one, right? Because it's like, I'm not like a TikToker, right? So, at some point, I got to find like more like a more brand, like a TikToker that we can actually make good real estate investing content um, on the platform. I definitely think it's possible. We just haven't done it yet. Yeah, LinkedIn's been kind of okay. I think the main thing with LinkedIn is it's just like very hard to scale. Like you can get to maybe like a little, like maybe one or two investors a month from there. It just becomes very hard to kind of scale beyond that just because like the way we were handling LinkedIn was just doing a lot of outbound research, finding people that might say they're interested in real estate on their profile and then corresponding with them that way. It's just, yeah, it's a lot of work for not that much um, return is what we kind of found. Yeah, got it. So, how much personality type uh, source for you know different platforms? Um, like personalization, you mean? Or personality, you know. So, personality. How much personality will you know? Oh. Yes, you know yeah, it, it's interesting, right? Because like, um, I don't know. I feel there's not that much personality in real estate. Right? Like for us, it's like our best performing ads have been just showing people numbers, right? Which is like, I don't know, maybe it comes back from my background of like, I just like to see the numbers. So like I can make pretty charts and stuff. And like, I and mean, we've tested a lot of like more prettier ads and with designers to make them prettier. And then like, for some reason it doesn't work as well. So never sure why. But <laughs> got it, got it. How do you feel that the data science, data science has impacted the world of digital marketing? Um, yeah, I mean, like, so back when I was at Zynga, um, I feel like I built like I was much more on the data science side, right? Like, I feel like, like with my more recent jobs have been more like the, um, just like actually running the campaigns, running the ads. That was a lot of, okay, like, how do we just get the data in front of marketers to help them make like those decisions? Which is like, yes, it's a lot of data science. It's as much analytics as it is data science, right? So you have to build out. Um, LTV models, you have to look at, okay, like predicting very early on in the life cycle, how much is this user going to be worth? Um, and then showcasing that data to whoever is making those decisions. Uh, so then they can say, oh, this channel is working 50% better than this other channel. I'm going to allocate more money here. Uh, Zynga in particular, we had a portfolio of 20 games back when I was working there. And um, like 10 of them were just like unmarketable because they just didn't perform as well. So showing that data very transparently for everyone involved made those decisions. Um, I mean, obviously not like ridiculously easy, but it was like, yeah, you look at the data, like you can see, oh, like cut off these five games, spend more on these six games, right? Like back when I was at Facebook, I was supporting the gaming vertical. And like, I think they are kind of some some of the most data-driven companies out there, especially on the marketing side, right? Because like, yeah, you get your CPM, like you get your um, click-through rates up or down by 20%. It can be like a pretty large change in terms of those LTV to CAC ratios, right? So. So what what is good, you know, good percentage of click-through rate or what is a good, you know, percentage from your point of view? 
Um, yeah, I mean, like, so obviously it matters. I mean, the main only, the main metric I kind of look for is like, um, you want to try to like optimize as far down funnel as possible, right? So if like, if people op, um, if it's a mobile game, for example, you're going to want to like optimize to just like LTV to CAC, right? So like, what is the revenue you're getting back from your marketing spend over like that user's lifetime? Um, that becomes a bit harder, like for us on the investor side, um, they might not buy like at all for maybe three months. So we kind of just like, okay, we have like more intro KPIs, like, okay, what are they booking meetings? Are they going through like a demo process? And like these other more like early indicators that let us say like, okay, like, is this campaign working? Is this not? Should we spend more money here? Should we, yeah, and whatnot. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot of nuance on Facebook, right? Because you have like lead gen, you have more like, you have the different um, targeting options or your bar targeting look like and everything else. So and then there's retargeting, which is obviously not as incremental. So that becomes like a whole other measurement problem of how do you actually get to incrementality? Yeah, I don't know how much detail your audience is in like Facebook marketing, but it's I can yeah. get those details that would be helpful. Yeah. Uh, how often you review the results? Um, usually like three times a week. Uh, okay. I don't always make changes three times a week. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like usually I'll have like a rolling meeting. Well, kind of at least check in, see how it's doing. Uh, do I need to make any changes? Do I need to add anything? Is like the I, general guidance within gaming was to like refresh creative every two to four weeks. So it's like I'm doing a little bit more than that. And this one sometimes, and then like some of the core ad sets that are like performing really well, I'll change them a lot less. But yeah, it varies. Got it. Got it. So would you share any challenging experiences implementing data science into digital marketing? Yeah. I mean, like, it, like one thing I think I've realized is the marketing team actually matters quite a bit, right? So um, all the gaming companies I've like worked with and worked at, they're like the marketers are very data driven. I've worked with other marketing teams that are not as data driven. So like, yeah, if your marketing team is like from a very much a brand background, it can be very hard sometimes for them to get like, yeah, you even get them the data, but then they won't actually use it, right? So that's where you're like, you have to get kind of a bit directive with like, okay, make these six decisions, right? Like do these six things and then they go into them, hopefully. So, which is obviously a different data science problem, right? Because then you're like, you're actually having to make the decisions, which is weird from a data science perspective, but yeah. Got it, got it. So would you also share any successful campaign with examples? Yeah, so like, I mean, for example, over here at Homeroom, we kind of have been like playing around with a lot of stuff. One thing I thought I started was like, oh, like, People liked seeing kind of like I had one thing with like a number in it and it was like, oh, I think we need to like the numbers are really working really well, right? Like just showing people what are our ROIs, what are our cash from caches, uh, what is the upfront down payment, right? And then we're like, well, what if we just show this in like a giant Excel spreadsheet with like bright flashing lights around the numbers and like that worked really well. And I think part of it is like you just have to like catch people's eye and like, oh, like this is working and then double down on that accordingly. Got it. Let's shift towards co-living side. So mm-hmm. what inspired you to start co-living property? Um, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I've been involved in my own like personal co-living properties that I've been self-managing for about, I don't know, it's been yeah five years now. And like, yeah, I think part of it is just like I've lived in them ever since college, right? Like even back when I like didn't own real estate, I would like find large houses on Craigslist, find a bunch of friends to kind of fill them up and help everyone save on rent. I think one thing was like, oh, the tenants are actually getting like a lot of benefit out of this. Something I found is like what we found with Homeroom um, is that there's actually a pretty big market to basically offer this process as a service um, so that we can just get higher, those higher returns for investors directly. Obviously, there's a lot more management work and that's kind of where we um, want to be a one-shop stop for that, right? So we'll find the tenants, manage any issues that come, get them in and out of the house, do the vetting, 
um, and all that. So, and if any issues come up with the tenants, making sure that they're all happy and everything else. So, um, on average, we do about 10 times as much uh, leasing work as like the average property management company. But we've been able to basically find ways to just automate that like as much as possible. Um, a lot of overseas help uh, to get those costs down so we don't have to charge way more, right? So, uh, got it, got it. So, how do you manage tenant relationships and handle disputes? Um, yeah, I mean, like one, we have like, um, like we have a lot of different text tools, right? So just talking people through it, um, we'll yeah, jump on the phone with them if they need any issues. Yeah, having the ability to just like always be available is kind of the biggest thing. We have like, uh, we have like a therapist on that, like on retainer if they ever need it. Like, I don't think anyone ever actually ever actually has. And we have like, I guess almost 1500 roommates now, right? So yeah, it's like, um, a lot of it is just like, yeah, being responsive, not being like ridiculously awful. That's <laughs> the main thing. Got it. And what strategies you're implementing to attract and retain tenants? Um, yeah, I mean, I think one is just keeping the rent like relatively low, right? So that's like the main thing there. Um, if we can keep the rent low, people will generally be like pretty happy with it. Also making sure we like, so one thing we do is we make sure that all of the tenants are paying for just like maid service and like lawn care service. One for just making sure the neighbors don't get too upset, um, as well as the house is clean, uh, everyone's kind of getting along and whatnot. So got it. Uh, how has technology has impacted the co-living industry? Um, yeah, I mean, like for us, it's been like pretty huge, right? So I mean, like before the pandemic, I mean, I wasn't actually at the company helping at the company before the pandemic. Uh, I kind of came on as like kind of like um, to help the company really like grow from like five houses to um, really, yeah, close to 200 now. But yeah, I mean, like the technology is sort of what allows us to expand like a lot more quick, like a lot more quickly. So we went from like two markets, um, we're now at around 11 or so, just because like one, we couldn't find enough deals in our core markets. So we'll just yeah, keep expanding, keep adding new areas. It allows us to outsource a lot of that operations and allows us to um, not actually have people in every market on the ground and still manage the properties effectively. So we have contractors we work with in every market. We have uh, real estate agents we work with in every market to kind of help make sure the deals are purchased correctly. And then we also yeah, we have runners to go out and check the property if need be. And that's the other. That wouldn't have been possible even 15 years ago. Got it. Yeah. How can RE professionals, real estate professionals, best advertise their listings? Yeah. I mean, like, one, if you have co-living properties, down to help out of the more home room if you're in one of our markets right now. Um, you know, we're in 11 markets and growing. Um, I think one thing we've always said is that, like, someone has five houses and they want to add them. We'll just, like, spin up the market and launch it, like, the next week. Uh, just because it's not, like, too hard, especially if you have existing houses. In terms of channels for, like, self-marketing, we, we the way we do it is we have, like, a team um, mostly in the Philippines that lists, like, pretty much everywhere and anywhere. So we're on Craigslist. We're on Facebook Marketplace. We're on, it's actually, like, 30 channels right now. And yeah, we just like have learned a lot of tools to make sure we get those listings up, uh, find as many tenants as possible, and um, then communicate with them and end up like, yeah, finding them a place to stay. Got it. Thank you. So let's shift towards personal side. So any personal habits that are helping you to be successful? Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know, not not too much, right? I feel like, um, obviously, like we're a work from anywhere company, right? So we are, yeah, mostly working from home and try to get some good exercise. Not as much as I maybe potentially should, but <laughs> it's... Yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not the best with like staying on top of personal habits. I do like, like, um, yeah. I, I randomly go to the library once a week and pick up just like a random book or two just to read at night, which I always think it's good. But I'm like, uh, that's been a new thing. I don't know. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> Got it. Good, good. So, yeah. any one personal learning or decision that you took that impacted your life 
positive way? Yeah, I think the biggest one was like quitting my like, I think like, I've quit a, I've quit a lot of stable jobs at large companies to join like early stage and mid stage startups and like, hasn't always worked out in terms of like that particular job. But like the learning level, I think was is always like significantly higher. Right. So like I, when I was at Zynga, I was doing more like mostly data science work, barely understood the marketing channels. And then I got thrown into like a series, a startup where I was like leading all of the digital marketing as well as like all the marketing analytics for that. So just, yeah, like learning level kind of is like 5x overnight. Right. So, uh, and I think that's something I found like at the at home room, like every day is different. One day we'll be like raising a seed round and the next day we'll be like building out a model to help identify properties on the MLS to help us purchase, right? Like other ones, like automated underwriting models, automated room pricing models, as well as all the stuff that comes along with like running the marketing campaigns. Got it. So any books that impacted your life? Not too much, to be honest, right? I kind of like, I read, I, I do read a fair bit, right? But like, I don't know. I feel like there's nothing that comes to mind that's like, oh, wow, that was like amazing. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, I think when I like, um, when I first moved here, I had like, a, I got a copy of like the Lean Startup and Zero to One. And like, they're both exact opposite advice on how to run a startup, which I always think is interesting. Um, that like, even the experts are not sure what the best way is. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. It, uh, zero to One by Peter Thiel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I like that one, but like, I don't also like completely agree because like, I do think you have to be like incremental, like getting things in like an incremental stage of building is also like important, um, especially in like real estate and prop tech, right? Where like, you're not like, um, this is not pure software, pure software, you might be able to like make an open AI and like explode things. Um, there's still a lot of manual steps, especially when it comes to real estate and property management that like we can build the tools to help people automate their jobs right but like fully automating it is like a long-term play right like and just doing that overnight is probably going to be like you'll make something and then it'll be nowhere close to what it needs to be right so iteratively getting there i think makes more sense in prop tech but yeah cool um, how can listeners can connect with you mike um yeah so if you just go to like um livehomeroom.com slash invest um that'll be like way to learn more about investing in um homeroom type properties if you want to personally connect, you can just find me on LinkedIn. Always time to talk to people. Like, yeah, bit.ly slash mtish will take you right there. So Awesome. And thank you very much, Mike. Thank you for sharing your expertise on digital marketing and co-living, you know, expertise. Thank mm -hmm. you. Thank you very much. Oh, thanks. That's the end of this episode of Multifamily AP 360, but we'd love to continue to help you on your journey. Head to ushacapital.com slash podcast to join our email list for more tips and strategies. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. This is Multifamily AP 360 with Ramakrishna Chunchu. We'll see you next time.